Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. I'm Ryan Lavoie with a full crew today, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Austin Scott joining us here on the Tuesday program. Again, no J.J. Jackson as he is back out of town with the Auburn softball team. He is in Gainesville, Florida for the SEC tournament, which will be uh, technically starting tonight with one game, but for Auburn starting tomorrow and a game that will be around 1.30 or so on our airwaves. We'll get into that a little bit later. But he is in Gainesville, and so we're filling in here again, as uh, we have done quite a few times while he's been away this year. A lot to talk about today. We'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer on at 4.15. We'll also have another round of NBA War. We did this with Ferg last week when he came in the studio. He will not be in the studio today. He's just a phone interview today, so we'll have – a couple of people in our studio compete with NBA War. And so we'll do that around 5 o'clock today. Of course, we'll always have the nightly TV guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. And then also a uh, birthdays and sports here in just a little bit. Of course, we'll chat with all of our callers as we do each and every day on our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341. Locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Beautiful day on the plains again. I started this morning at the beach and made my way back up to Auburn for the show today. And as lovely as Auburn is, the waking beach up, man. waking up beach side is uh, hard to beat, <laughs> uh, hard to beat. So, but uh, happy to be with you guys today. Hope everyone's doing well. Start with you, Cam. Hope you're doing well today. Yeah, doing great. Doing great. Uh, just pretty slow day for me today. Just been kind of hanging out. Um, watched some basketball last night, Celtics and Bucks and Grizzlies and Warriors. Um, Great game from Al Horford, of all people. Um, kind of turned back the clock a little bit. Gave some uh, Atlanta throwback there. Dropped a 30-piece. Um, and Giannis, having a great game as usual, just wasn't enough. And they kind of – Al Horford and, and Giannis kind of went back and forth. So that was pretty interesting, watching uh, watching Giannis dunk on Al and then get teched up, uh, which – didn't agree with that, but, you know, it is what it is. And then Al Horford returning the favor. So definitely a good one. And then a great game with the Warriors and the, Gri- uh, and the Grizzlies. Um, no John Morant, but the Grizzlies led for, I think, almost the entirety of the game, all the way up until about 45 seconds left. And the Warriors uh, kind of showed, showed their age and uh, took over and won that game and kind of ran away with it. Um, hopefully Ja will be able to get back. This series is now three to one. So hopefully, you know, I, I wanted that to be a really good series. So it's really unfortunate that Ja got hurt. I think if Ja plays, that probably ends up being a two two instead of a three one. Um, so really unfortunate. Um, and then hopefully ready to watch some basketball tonight with the uh, Sixers and Heat and the 
Mavericks and Suns. Brooks Childress, my sort of two five one brethren hey, for, the, two, five. for the past few days. I uh, hope you are well, sir. I say you ate enough good food down there from what you were telling me. You're like one eighth two five one now. <laughs> I do love. Oh, there's so many good seafood spots, but there also I had a little bit of everything this week, and I won't divulge and bore everyone's details. But like I, I got, know. <laughs> <laughs> but I got some. I did. I did eat at Bahama Bob's. Yes, sir. Uh, but I I ate everything from steak. To scallops, to lobster, you to, are a scallops to, lover. To pizza, I ate at just about everything over the last three or four days. Even a brunch, so I had some pancakes Ooh. and ruby slippers. Oh, ruby slippers! Are you, uh-huh. saying, good. are you saying you didn't eat any chicken tenders? I actually did it, Bob. No. Bob because <laughs> because because it was an appetizer. We get we no got way. we got oh, Brent, a. Brant is not happy with that. <laughs> We, that wasn't a slight toward Brandt. That was a slight toward the Auburn community having five billion chicken yeah, finger places. Billion. But uh, <laughs> I had a had a combo appetizer with chicken tenders, mo- fried mozzarella, and uh, fried mushrooms. Oh, but then good. I had scallops as the as the lunch. Scallops, at the so yeah. So uh, no, I had just about everything, uh, including a few bushwhackers yes, over sir. the weekend as well uh, so i had a great time eating your food in the 251 <laughs> brooks and i hope you've had a great time here in auburn these past few days i did uh last night got to uh, i, I want to give everybody an update because we talked about this last week on the show uh, the therapy session did help <laughs> I, I watched uh off that list that we made up what? last week i watched eternals over the nice. weekend okay and i've gone three episodes into hawkeye sweet so i i the therapy session there. helped yeah, we're getting there we're we, getting there we may hit another lull here because we're starting to get some interesting times in the nba playoffs and the stanley cup playoffs but you get a pass we we, we did make some progress um, we'll try again in June. That was a good <laughs> name. <laughs> uh, ready, ready for this baseball game tonight. Auburn and Troy. Uh, Auburn beat up on Troy the last time they played earlier this year in Plainsman Park. Now they get the return trip down to Troy. Um, last or second to last non-conference game of the year for the Tigers. And you got Jordan Armstrong going tonight. He's uh, been thrust back in that midweek spot since Mason Barnett has got had to be moved to the weekend rotation due to the Hayden Mullins injury. So hopefully the Auburn Bats can continue to do what they've uh, they've been doing for most of this year and have a good night tonight at Troy. It's a it's a it's not a must-win game because it's not a it it doesn't determine your conference slate or anything. But it's a it's a game that if you lose it. It doesn't look great yeah. on the on the postseason resume, resume. Yeah. and when you're trying to host a regional, you need all the wins you can get, especially these out of conference midweek games. So, uh, ready ready to watch that game tonight. Ready for this Auburn baseball team to be back in action. Talk about that a little bit, and then of course, as always, as I always like to say, can't wait to talk to all of our callers today on the show. And then Austin Scott with us today. We uh, have the pleasure of Ooh. Austin being here. Not always the case. Uh, comes in. Maybe once a week or so to hang out at the office, but not always on he the just show. So, like us that much. so man, the myth, the legend. He's able to do a lot of his work from home and and does all of our graphics, as people know, and a lot of social media and stuff. But Austin, good to have you in studio today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's no coincidence I'm here when a certain someone else <laughs> isn't, and so I'm uh, happy to be here in, in replacement of friend of the program, JJ Jackson. So, hope JJ's had a great, uh, safe travel down to Gainesville today. Looking forward to seeing how Auburn softball does this weekend. Also looking forward to uh, Red Sox coming down to Atlanta tonight and uh, Braves playing, trying to get some wins stringed together here with Kyle Wright on the mound. Um, I've, you guys know I love the Braves. have been oh, yeah. big into the season so far this year. So uh, hoping they can get some things going together. And like Brooks said, can't wait to hear from the callers today and looking forward to being with you guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. The Braves uh, taking two out of three over the weekend against a good Brewers team split with Mets. So they had a tough week yeah. last week but went four and three overall. So – 
I think a lot of people will take that, hopefully getting it turned in the right direction. The Red Sox always a big draw. Going to be a lot of uh, Boston fans, I'm sure, mm-hmm. in, in attendance the next couple of nights. But the Red Sox have been struggling out of the gates. They something around 10 and 18, 11 and 17, something in there. So uh, it would be interesting to see if the Braves can start to garner more and more momentum. Before we get into uh, any one particular topic, and there are a lot of them, want to talk uh, some Auburn baseball, of course, want to talk some NFL announcing news, which was very big today. Also, we'll have NBA war later. Talk some Braves. Got a lot to sweep, a lot to talk about. But want to start by going to our Auburn Bank phone line three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were uh, talking about some NFL. Uh, football news that's going to be coming in on uh, Thursday. I well, yes. Yeah, so there's more news in the NFL in a couple of days. Yeah, the uh, the schedule will be released on Thursday. Yes, yes. The actual NFL 2022 schedule is going to be re- released this Thursday, and I'm actually going to be seeing all of the 32 teams on uh, Thursday afternoon and seeing uh, some great some great uh, classic matchups. Uh, one in particular is uh, seeing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and seeing who they're going to match up in uh, in a, on a on the first week of the NFL season with uh, Tom Brady and some of the new draftees that uh, Tom Brady actually put on the roster for 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very look, much looking forward to that as well, James. Obviously, you know, I go to a lot of Bucks games and looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing the, the the weeks that I might be able to get to go down to Tampa, and of course, your Cowboys will play the Bucks at some point this year as well. That one, I think, will be in Dallas, though, but uh, they'll play again this year. Yes, we will be playing uh, against Tampa Bay at home, so I think that will be either week four or week five. I'm not quite sure, so I'll just have to see uh, where that where that game actually sets into the Cowboys' uh, lineup as well when they, when they actually talk about the Cowboys as well and um earlier today i was listening to well actually watching first take and they were talking about the mayor of dallas talking about that uh the city of dallas would have two uh nfl teams and i don't think that's gonna happen i mean we we are a big uh state in dallas we have the dallas cowboys dallas mavericks dallas wings and dallas stars just to name just to name a few uh dallas teams but Having two, having like two Dallas teams in the NFL. I mean, one from the NFC, and then they're talking about maybe changing one of the teams in the NFC. I don't see that being a possible, uh, a possible thing for the Dallas fans as well. Yeah, were they? Uh, I haven't heard about that, James. Were they talking about adding more teams to the NFL up from their current thirty-two, or are they just looking at, at a team moving to Dallas? Um, I think they were looking at two teams from the NF, from the AFC to actually move to Dallas, but I think that won't be the case right there because if they have those two extra teams coming to Dallas, and then if we have like if my Cowboys actually play at home, and we have like the Dallas Cowboys or we have like the Kansas City Chiefs, which was. Uh, which was actually originated in Dallas. So I think they're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs moving from Kansas City to Dallas and actually 
is changing their name from the Kansas City Chiefs to the, uh, I think it was like the Dallas Chiefs. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I have not heard that, James. I'll, I'll be forthcoming with you. I, I would be uh, flabbergasted if the Kansas City Chiefs moved. I, I do not expect another team to end up in Dallas, so I don't think you have to worry too much about those rumors. Yeah, so, I mean, those rumors, if they're not, you know, if they're not true, then I don't know what Jerry Jones is actually going to do with the Cowboys uh, team this year because I know we had a lot of problems in the, you know, in the previous seasons, you know, they're saying – uh, a lot of rumors saying that the Cowboys are not going to go to the Super Bowl. And I think this year is our year to actually make it to the Super Bowl. So I'm just going to just, you know, pump. I'm going to just actually, you know, you know, like slow down the, the Dallas uh, Cowboys car as well. So I'm just probably just keep it on neutral for right now until the season actually starts. Yeah, that's, that's probably fair to do. Obviously, uh, Dallas uh, will expect to win the NFC East. They'll get a challenge, I'm sure, from the Eagles. But uh, Cowboys figure to be a playoff team next year, and we'll just see how it all shapes out. Obviously, injuries can be a thing as well. And, uh, yeah, you just never know. I think Brooks has something for you. Yeah, James, you know, you were talking about the uh, the upcoming NFL schedule release. Is there a certain team you'd like to see the Cowboys play in week one? Um, I would have to see, like, on the beginning of our schedule – I would like to see Dallas actually playing a rematch between the Jacksonville Jaguars week one. That would be, that is on the schedule this year. It's Dallas is at Jacksonville this year, so you'd like to see that week one? Yeah, I would like to see that week one because um, if uh, Jacksonville will be playing at Dallas, um, I think that will be a really good uh, matchup from last year when we played them in the playoffs. So I uh, think that would be a good win right there um, with a brand new offensive line and defensive line for uh, for Dallas and I'll probably see that one as a win as a win column for the Dallas Cowboys as well and a 100% health on um, Dak Prescott as well. Yeah James I think everyone in the league just about would love to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so that that would be uh, that would be good for the Cowboys. That'd be a good chance at a win in Week One. But we got to talk some other Dallas sports with you because both the Stars and Mavericks are in two-two series heading to Game Five. The Mavericks have Game Five versus the Suns tonight, and the Stars have Game Five tomorrow night. Uh, how you feeling about those two teams' chances? Um, I'm actually feeling 110 percent on my Dallas Mavericks tonight to actually win Game Five of game six. So if we actually keep it in, uh, I think we're playing a game at home. I'm not quite sure. I got to look at it. No, it's in Phoenix tonight. In Phoenix tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So if we, if we actually keep it in Phoenix tonight and tomorrow, I think we might win uh, a good, a good chance of winning the playoffs as well. So I think with that being said, I think Dallas might, make a good uh a good turnaround to actually make it three games to two in phoenix uh tonight as well yeah that would obviously be big both teams have won both home games thus far phoenix won a uh an easy game for game one and then had a, a little closer time in the second game i believe then dallas was able to hold serve at home so so far uh home teams holding serve in that series 
Yes, that's well. And then with my Dallas Stars, we are actually two games in. So I think we're I think we're going to win uh, this game tonight. So if we actually win it, I think on on the ice, I think it'll be three games to two as well. Yeah, it, it would be, but uh, that game is tomorrow night. No Stars game tonight, just the Mavericks, and the Stars play on Wednesday. Okay, so we do have a, a, a huge off week for today. So I would um, probably be looking at like some highlights from uh, last week when we actually played um, the last two games. So I think uh, we're just, you know, I'm going to just probably see on tomorrow night and seeing if we'll if we're going to win so we'll make it three games to two as well yeah big game game fives of two game two versus two series are obviously very important very big what else do you have on your mind today well i know auburn is in troy so i think i will be listening to the auburn uh radio network and seeing if we're going to actually beat troy and tomorrow uh on what well, i think tomorrow uh, we actually play our first game in Gainesville, Florida. So on the softball side of, uh, of that, I think Auburn for the women's softball, I think that's going to be a really good first round to actually win um, on the road in, in Gainesville, Florida as well. Yeah, Auburn taking on Missouri tomorrow in the SEC softball tournament, as you mentioned, in Gainesville. Then Auburn baseball with Troy tonight. Uh, before they have a weekend series against Alabama this weekend. Yes, because I would be um, watching that, and um, I think that would be a three-game series. So we got we play Alabama at home, and then we play them in a doubleheader back-to-back on Thursday and uh, Friday as well. I believe it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, I don't think they have a uh, doubleheader scheduled as of right now, obviously, weather can always change things, but I think it's a typical series schedule for right now. Yes, as well. And then I did see something about um, one of our Auburn men's basketball players. I think it's uh, Finnegan. He's actually going to be going into the NBA G League sometime in June of this year. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's going up to to do a G League camp where he's going to get evaluated uh, if he should be in the uh, go into the draft or some, uh, anything like that. But there's a pretty good chance that he does not get that high of a grade up at the at the G League camp, and he more than likely mm-hmm. will return to Auburn because of his down year this year, and he'll play back at Auburn again next year. But he's going up there, going to work out in front of some of the scouts and get a get a draft grade with some of the other uh, guys that could go to the G League this year. Yes, because I'm actually, um, I do have a G League team that I'm actually uh, following right now. I oh, think yeah? it's the Dallas, it, it's the Texas Legion uh, League out there, and they're affiliated with the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm going to be seeing who we're going to be um, looking at in, um, in, the, in our camp as well and seeing if we might get um, uh uh, one of the guys from Auburn as well. Yeah, uh, the Texas Legends, you mean? Yes, yes, they're affiliate of uh, my Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. So I'm actually going to be looking at that and seeing uh, whenever the camp would come out in uh, June on national TV, either um, CBS Sports might pick it up or ESPN might pick it up, and I'll just probably see how those guys would actually 
uh, look for my uh, Dallas, uh, my Dallas uh, Maverick, which is affiliate of the uh, Texas, uh, the Texas Legends League as well. Yeah, that would be really, really fun to see an Auburn player on that team. What else you got for us today, James? Well, um, oh, I do have something very interesting about Tom Brady. I just heard that uh, Tom Brady would, um, when he's done playing in the NFL, he would be in the uh, in the Fox Sports booth with uh, with Aaron Rodgers in the near future as well. So I think that would be a really good a good fit for uh, Tom Brady to actually see him being a sports analyst for uh, Fox sports as well yep oh, go ahead yeah he's uh he's going to be with kevin burkhart of, of fox sports who's going to be their lead play-by-play man uh did you see the contract that brady signed for how much money he's yeah. getting yes i actually did see that on my uh, on my twitter feed that is a lot of money that tom brady is actually doing uh that he's actually getting and that's really good as well and i hope he keeps that um going for him and for the Tampa Bay uh, organization as well, and um, if that if that Plan A doesn't work, probably Plan B would work out for him. And I would love to see him actually get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, this coming up August as well. Remind everyone how much money Tom Brady's going to make out of that contract. Oh, uh, I don't know, but I'll just have to take a guess. I think it's like. Thirty million on his contract salary. Yeah, clo- higher than that. Yeah, it, it is a little bit higher, but you're very close on the per year. He's gonna make about thirty-seven million a year, uh, but it's a ten-year, three hundred and seventy-five million dollar deal. Wow, that's that's a lot as well. And then um, I'm actually looking at for the upcoming Auburn football season. I'm just going to see how uh, some of the guys that are already in in our schedule this year, I'm just going to see how C.J. Finley is going to do this year and if we have a good chance to actually go to the College World Series, uh, college uh, playoffs in uh, Atlanta this year as well. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this Auburn football team shapes up to be this year. we still got a long way to go. Still got summer workouts to get through. Still got fall camp to get through before we even sniff the regular season of uh, college football. But, yeah, it's going to be really, really fun to be to be, uh, to be to see what this team is. Anything else before we have to let you go today, James? Um, yes, because I know with the NFL football season coming in, I know they're going to have some great um, – Christmas Day specials on the NFL Network. I know three of them are going to be on the NFL Network, and um, some of them will be played on the NFL Network and on uh, Nickelodeon uh, kids' channels as well. So that would be a very good thing for me to actually get a chance to see that on uh, Christmas Day as well. So I I think I'll take some games uh, for this Christmas and probably – uh, that would be a really good Christmas present for me to open up to the, to see this year. Yeah, I'm not sure about uh, the Nickelodeon part of that, but I know there is supposed to be three NFL games, and they released one today. I think it's Bills or Vikings or something. Broncos and uh, Rams have been released. Sure, that's so get, the one. You get Russell Wilson versus uh, Jer- uh, not Jared Goff, Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford again. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, they've got uh, they've got one announced, and they'll announce two more here when the schedule gets released on Thursday. 
Yes, as well. And then with the um, Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, game coming up in August, I know it's going to be a big, big weekend out there. Um, before the before the actual game starts, they're actually going to be doing on I think on Friday. They're actually in Canton, Ohio. They're actually going to have a live concert from the stadium in Canton, Ohio, with Journey actually performing out there on Friday. So that will be a really, really good, uh, a really good thing to actually go and see uh, in Canton, Ohio, as well. Indeed, James. Well, we appreciate the phone call today, and uh, we good luck to your Mavericks tonight. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joined us on the Auburn Bank phone line. I'm going to go back, right back to our Auburn Bank phone line before our first break of the show today. Tony from Tuskegee. Tony joins us. Tony, how are you doing? Fine. How about yourself? Doing well. Yeah, I was looking through a, you know, a thing about high schools and and saying that the high schools and enrollment—I mean, I, the top fifty schools in the in the nation—who I think is in the top fifteen, somewhere like that in enrollment. And when you look at a high school, well, I think Hoover got close. I look, what about twenty-five hundred, close to three thousand students. And you got some high schools as many as um, 5,000. But when you got schools like that, what does it do athletically? I mean, I, I um, you can only put so many kids on a field, or, you know, on, on a basketball court. You can only put so many kids, you know, in um football uniform but so many can play you know i'm not sure how many football so many can play other than that do you think that becomes a problem of somewhat sure yeah you know i think those bigger schools hopefully would have a few extra facilities that the other smaller high schools or normal size high schools wouldn't have maybe they have an extra basketball gym or a, a practice football field that sort of thing, and therefore would maybe hold, instead of just a varsity and a JV team, hold a varsity JV and a freshman team or have multiple junior varsity teams and that sort of thing. But certainly the the numbers are not going to be the same in that not everyone that wants an opportunity necessarily to play would likely get that opportunity at big schools. You're, you're right. Yeah. Now, are you all familiar with this little junior high school up by the Kia plant? By the Kia plant, uh, no, I am not. Yeah, well, my my son was in high school, you know, the Catholic Saint Joseph, whatever. But they played a school up there by uh, a junior high, and this junior high they had eight hundred students. Dang, that's a lot. Eighth, eighth grade had eight hundred students, and when they came out, they was dressed in I think probably better than any high school and the production they got from the players, I think they probably put up about 70 points and hell my son them to probably less than 10 in basketball. Dang. And uh, But I got one other thing. This NIL, you think they'll have to make any adjustments to what's going on because that, that thing is the transfer thing is 
right now it, 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 it's better than a pro. It's better than the pros. So you, you you really have a scholarship, but you don't have a contract. You can just put your name in the portal at any time, huh? Yeah, I, I think you're already seeing the rumblings of, of changes to be made. I think the first and foremost thing is to make sure the booster involvement is not high here because the thought has been over the last several months that there's a lot of programs that are having booster-to-recruit relations that is not something the NCAA wants to go on. Could they eventually do a cap for how much NIL money you could make? Absolutely. But I think the first and foremost issue is just making sure that the boosters are not running wild here and intervening and basically paying for the player themselves. So yeah. I think that's what they're trying to legislate out first. Um, and, and then we might see uh, more particular uh, financial totals that you don't want to go over and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I got one other thing. This guy, this receiver that won the Malikma call. Yeah. Award last year at Pittsburgh. Yep. I don't know what happened because I wasn't able to keep up with him. But they say him and uh, Bryce Young, both from California, during the summer, they've been out practicing together, and uh, he was considering putting himself, you know, in the in the portal, transfer portal. And um, would that be fair to everybody else? Well, you know, Alabama to rebuild like that. Lose two receivers, you get one from Georgia, then you get the best in the country, then one of the best running backs, and you already got a Heisman Trophy quarterback. Yeah, no, I know absolutely, and that is a form of, uh, you know, free agency with the portal uh, that, that obviously – uh, it's something that we maybe anticipated, but still maybe didn't think about the repercussions of the fact that someone could transfer just based off of NIL money and uh, could be swayed by other schools. So obviously that Pittsburgh wide receiver, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, uh, I don't believe that has he made a final decision. He is. Uh, yeah. He is at Austin. Touring Texas, touring Texas on right an now. official visit at as we speak, literally Boy, 54 going. minutes ago, two four seven reported that he is in is touring Texas right now. Yeah, so. going all over the place. Yeah, he? well, him and Bryce Young, I don't know whether what the relationship they have, but I know it was said they was out in um, California yeah, during yeah. the summer. They, they worked out. They worked out together. They worked out together, and I'm quite sure um, if Bryce. Had probably tried to lure him to Alabama, you know, and with all the young receivers to Alabama, I got to the guy transferring from, uh, you know, and, and he had seen the things with Jameis Winston and whatever like that. If he comes to Alabama, what is he, a sophomore, junior? Um, he's, a, he's a sophomore. Sophomore. So, but he comes to Alabama – this year, next year, he's in the NFL. Yep. You know, if it works out that way. But um, any, any, anyway, I, I thought it was just something to talk about. Jimbo Fisher, he's down over in um, where, Texas A&M. Yeah. Crying after recruiting class, but he's crying. But, you know, it's, it, it's the thing what it is. I, you know, I think uh, um, college football has just – outgraded itself now 
So, you know, but I think we hadn't seen the worst of it, you know. Yeah, there's a lot um, going on for sure. Yeah, but but see, my thing is you got a kid like Bryce Young making what what is a a million dollar deal, and he was throwing the ball to the lead um, to the tight end. You know, I assume that guy was just dropping the ball or something because he had made he had signed a contract. And did nothing. I think he felt he might have been just overlooked. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I'm not. I've talked too much, and thanks for taking my call. No problem, Tony. We hope you have a great day. We appreciate that phone call. That is Tony from Tuskegee on our Auburn Bank phone line. Got to take our first break of the show today. We've uh, been having a lot of fun, time flying with our callers. But uh, next up, birthdays and sports. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. Ryan, Austin, Brooks, and Cam with you here today. Had good calls on the other side of that break by Tony from Tuskegee and James from Montgomery. But uh, before we go any further, want to do this. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Something we do each and every day, the Birthdays in Sports, here on May the 10th. Starting us off, Salvador Perez, who turns 32. Catcher for the Kansas City Royals. Perez was born in Venezuela and was signed by the Royals when he was 16 in 2007. Made his Major League debut in 2011. Has been the catcher for the club ever since. Seven-time All-Star, two-time All-MLE first-teamer, five-time Gold Glove, four-time Silver Slugger, and was comeback player of the year and an MLB home run leader from his catcher position. Quite impressive. He's also a World Series MVP. Salvador Perez turns 32 today. I know he's he's known for a lot more, but every time I as, as up until or starting last summer, the only thing that I can think of when I think of Salvador Perez is we did that um, home run derby mix last year with home run derby call or home run calls for the players that were participating, and the Kansas City guy when Salvador Perez hit one, he said, "Ding ding ding," paging Salvador Perez for the home run derby. And oh. that is it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Not the best. So every time I hear Salvador Perez's name from now on, I'm just going to think about that little clip. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Well, ding, ding, ding. Salvador Perez has his 32nd birthday today. 
Tyus Jones turns 26, guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. Jones was three-time Gatorade High School Player of the Year for the state of Minnesota as one of the top recruits in the country committed to play for Duke. Eh. Well, he was a part of the 2014 National Championship team, winning most outstanding player of the Final Four. He was picked 24th overall in the 2015 draft by the hometown Timberwolves. Just got done eliminating the hometown Timberwolves in the previous round. He has led the NBA in assists to turnover ratio twice, Maybe the best backup point guard in the league, Tyus Jones, turns 26 today. Wilson Chandler turns 35, former NBA forward. As a senior in high school, Chandler was named Mr. Basketball of the state of Michigan. He played two seasons at DePaul. Let's go Blue Demons. Better than Blue Devils, certainly. Yeah. Making it to the NIT quarterfinals and declared for the 2007 NBA draft. Was taken 23rd overall by the New York Knicks. He has since bounced in and out of the league for different teams, most recently playing in China. So you have the 24th overall pick of the draft, Tyus Jones, the 23rd overall pick of the 07 draft, Wilson Chandler, is turns there, 35 is there a today. difference between a demon and a devil? The, Especially blue ones? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The DePaul ones are better. One I like a lot <laughs> less than another. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. One loss to North Carolina in the Final Four this year. Zach Taylor turns 39, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. J.J. may or may not be listening right now. Uh, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Taylor was a lowly recruited recruit in high school as a QB, signed with Wake Forest. Let's go D- D- Demon Deacons. Yep. Yeah. After his redshirt freshman season, he transferred to Butler Community College and had a breakout season, winning the NJCAA National Championship. Transferred to Wisconsin from there and was Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2000, or Big 10 Offensive Player of the Year in 2006. He never played in the NFL, but went on to coaching, made it to the NFL in the coaching ranks in 2017 as an assistant with the Rams, and was hired by the Bengals as head coach in 2019, and led the Bengals to the Super Bowl this year against the Rams, however falling short. But Zach Taylor turns 39 today. Shout out to the Butler Community College Grizzlies. And those are the birthdays in sports today. I'm, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you figured that one out. Yeah. Shout out to the Grizz. Austin, do you have ponderings over there, or I just I this is one of those random things that I know, uh-huh. so I had to correct oh. you. But Zach Taylor transferred to Nebraska, not Wisconsin. So okay. I was just curious. Let's gotcha. get up, baby. My sheet of paper betrayed me. No, oh, well. it's nothing to do with you. So it's, it was it was Big 12. It was Big 12. I, it looks I like corrected. all these other stats are correct. Uh-huh. I saw Wisconsin on there. I'm like, that's not in the Big 12, so I'm going to say Big 10, but it <laughs> was the correct conference, not the correct sport. It's a useless fact that I know from that's just stuck back here, and uh, today <laughs> I guess it came in handy. Well, today it was not useless, was it? Uh, I look stupid, so thank you for that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is all good. but uh, Big Red. But uh, another one of those young, successful head coaches in the league that uh, these guys uh, hiring a lot of young offensive minds in the league these days. And uh, you've seen the Bengals already have success with Joe Burrow and company there uh, for sure. Going to go to our final break of the hour. More sports call after this timeout.
all of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Deal yourself in to the 23rd Annual Sheriff's Girls Ranch Poker Run. Presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer on Saturday, June 11th on beautiful Lake Martin. Play for that straight flush or full house as you pick a card at each of our stops around the lake. The stakes are high at this 44,000 acre poker table as the player who holds the best hand at the end of the day wins $5,000. And of course, $10,000 will go to benefit the Sheriff's Girls Ranch. Call 334-887-9999 to register today. A limited number of tax-deductible tickets are available. It's the 23rd Annual Sheriff's Girls Ranch Poker Run, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, Saturday, June 11th on beautiful Lake Martin. Come on, put some skin in the game. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Final segment of hour number one on the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Left with you for the full three hours today. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Austin Scott hanging out. Just got through birthdays and sports. Up ahead in hour number two at 4.15, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. He will not be in studio today, but we will catch up on some items with him via the Auburn Bank phone line. We'll talk a little NIL, as it feels like we've been talking a lot, a lot but... One of his favorite topics, if you follow Justin on Twitter or just uh, talk a little little ball with him, uh, possible schedule realignment here in major college football, which is something we want to get into. We'll try and get into it here for just a couple brief moments. Um, the news out of the ACC that keeps growing is that they're going to eliminate divisions as early as 2023. Uh, Austin told me I was a little out of it. But I was able to read up read up on some tweets, and Austin was able to inform me. Looking at a model that would be three constant opponents and rotate five. Brandon Marcello, formerly here in Auburn, now nationally with 247, reports that it could also be just two uh, every year opponents and then six rotating opponents. But right now looking at three and five, trying to figure out the TV semantics and all of that. But generally speaking... I know we only have five minutes, but if you can sum it up, do you like this for the ACC and or do you like this for all of the major conferences in football? Why or why not? I like it for everything. I've, I've said, I think we've we've talked something about this before, but hmm. I've said it before. I, I like it for all of them because I, I like the the uh, putting in two your two best teams of the conference uh, against each other in a, in a championship scenario. If you continue with championship games, I know. 
part of this is you may be eliminating champions or may give the option to eliminate championship games in a few years by the NCAA. But um, if if you're still in the NCAA championship or if you're still in in the championship game mode, I like the idea of putting your two best teams because if you've got you know just take the SEC for example, the two best the two teams with the best records say it's Alabama and Texas A and M. And then the team with the fourth, you've got two teams on one side of the, of the divisions with the best record. And then the other side, you've got Georgia sitting there with the third best record. Why wouldn't you want the two best teams to play each other, yeah. even though they've already played each other? Why, why wouldn't you want, let's go back to a few years ago when we had uh, LSU and Alabama play each other and quote the game of the century, then meet up again in the national championship game. Why wouldn't you want to see that in the SEC championship game if you're a, a, a team – you wouldn't want to see the game of the century again that quickly for the conference title instead of just saying, "Oh, LSU gets to go up against X team this year and they get to play." Who was who did they play that year? Um, uh, for the wasn't it, was Georgia. it Georgia? Was it Georgia? Mm-hmm. LSU and Georgia that year? Yeah. Um, but you know, LSU won that game. Why wouldn't you want to see the best two teams in the conference play again instead of just? going and getting whoever the best team from the East and best team from the West is, let everybody play each other in that ro- in that kind of rotation, and then whoever's got the best records, you play at the end of the year for a championship. If not, you you crown a, you crown a champion. And that's, you know, the everybody, or I say everybody else, you, you've got so many different other sports that do that where you line it up, yeah. this is your best team, hey, there's your champion. You don't even have championship games. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. For me, it's outside of championship games. It's more for – I think road. it takes ridiculously too long for a team to play another team yeah, on the other side Yeah, I like division. it from a fan rotation standpoint. So uh, my thing would be you get the three – your three rotators and you play five one year, then you play the other five the next year. Yeah. By the end of a kid's four-year career, they've played everybody home and away. Um, and I think that's just better for the sport and better for each conference. It, it shouldn't take this long for Auburn to go down to the swamp or them to come up here or – Auburn to go up to Neyland and or them come here. So um, I think there's advantages to both uh, eliminating divisions and creating this whole pod system or, or what have you. But I'm looking forward to hearing Ferg talk about it more now that it's kind of been brought up in the national light. Yeah, um, basically what both of these two gentlemen said. Um, I like it from a fan rotation standpoint. Basically just everybody gets to play, you know, everybody at some point home and away and i feel like that's the best and most fair way to do it like if you were auburn you'd probably want to see lsu alabama and georgia every year probably i would probably agree you guys could probably agree and say those would be the three that auburn would probably be probably face every year but then every other team you'd be able to see um you know the florida's the texas a&m which we play i think we play at texas a&m every year but um, just rotating that out, I think that would be a, a good way to go about it. And then you don't always have to plan so far in advance. You know, say your friend is a Florida fan, and you don't have to wait for forever to go to a game together. You know, maybe you can wait a year or two years, something like that, to figure that out. I think it would be a lot more fun. And the tickets, I think the sales would be a lot, a lot higher as well. Yeah, I think everyone agrees that what's been happening with the SEC – and the scheduling model here is not great because of what you just said, the, the long trips to uh, between Gainesville visits. I, I think the last time they'd been in Gainesville before the 2019 game, someone correct me if I'm wrong, was like 07 yeah. or something yeah. like that. 2007, 2008, and something like that. I, again, with the, the modeling as such, I mean, you only play these teams every six years. 
Uh, therefore, it's going to be 12 years. That's so crazy. quick math, if, if the schedule were to continue on as it was, I think 2031 would be the next time Auburn travels to Gainesville. And yeah. I'm not, we're not just saying that just because Auburn and Florida did used to have a rivalry, but it just goes for anyone in the league. You're going to start bringing in these big boy teams like Texas and Oklahoma. You don't want to go out to Texas yeah. one out of every 12 or 13 years. Well, that, and this is this year will be Missouri's and A&M have been in the league for 10 years. Yeah. And outside of SEC championship games, Missouri will come to Auburn for the first time this year. Yeah. And they'll play in the regular season for the first time. It's second wild. time. That's it's crazy. Wild. So we'll talk a lot more about this uh, scheduling stuff and the divisions or lack thereof in the future here at College Football on the other side of this break. End of hour number one. More sports call after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call kicking off right now here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, or if you're listening to us on the Tiger Communications app or after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I'm joined by Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Austin Scott here this afternoon, again filling in for J.J. Jackson as J.J. with the Auburn softball team in Gainesville, Florida, getting set for the SEC tournament, which technically starts tonight, but the Auburn softball team's first game and hopefully first of many games is tomorrow. On the other side of that break, we were talking a little bit about the uh, the potential shakeup and how the schedules work and in college football, and particularly the ACC, no movement in some of the other conferences such as the SEC right now. But you got to imagine if the ACC does something here, then uh, then that could open the floodgates as other conferences will probably talk about talk about things. And also seeing that uh, the NCAA is willing to kind of remove some restrictions on how they want conference championship games to operate which uh, would also free up the framework for divisions or, or the lack thereof uh, to take place in all the different conferences. We'll ask Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer about that at 4.15 here, but we'll continue on with that conversation right now. We were talking about, obviously, Auburn fans very well-versed in the fact that uh, not, not many trips to Gainesville, a once pretty big rivalry, uh, not many trips there in a while or in the foreseeable future unless the schedule changes. And, of course, Oklahoma and Texas – already kind of bring in a natural 
uh, element for the SEC to make changes. The ACC doesn't have anything functionally changing with their conferences in terms of their membership right now, yet they are now deciding to try and, and potentially eliminate divisions and only go with three same uh, or three constant opponents and five rotating opponents. What would those numbers look like in the SEC? Because, of course, the SEC would then have 16 member institutions if you – uh, include Oklahoma and Texas here in approximately three years or four. Um, what would that number need to look like if we were if we were just going the ACC route? We weren't doing pods, anything like that. What would that number need to be look like? And would the SEC need to go to nine games in their conference slate? Yeah, nine games is what I was thinking at first. Um, I guess if you don't go pod route, you could go three regulars. And then I guess you just bump it up to six. Then you have a six rotation every other year or two years to play both, home and away. Um, gosh, that seems like a big number. Yeah, it is. is but right? but here's what the math with that would be because I'm doing it in my head. So yeah. we're going to act as if we're Auburn. This is Auburn. Auburn talk show. So all right, you have 15 other teams. You will play 15 teams in some form or fashion. If you have three every year. That's then 12 available teams, and then they rotate in six the way you had it. Mm -hmm. You would play every team in the league every other year. Like, you would be guaranteed to play, see so, someone every two years. Say, so if you're a freshman, you get home and home with everybody. Right. Yeah. You, you would see the team every two years at worst, and you would go to that or that venue one out of every four years, and, and vice versa. So if you're a freshman, yes, you would play Oklahoma and Texas and Florida and whoever – you would play them at least twice in your four years, provided you don't portal it up a couple times, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you would have a return trip back back to Auburn or, or to Oklahoma, wherever. Yeah. So that seems on the basis to be how it would, yeah. in theory, should go. Any any other juxtapositions oh. here? Anything? No, no, I could dig that. That would be fun. I feel like just the the switch up. I think that would be a great, nice switch. And then I agree with what Brooks was saying. The top two teams in the league should be no matter of division or pod or whatever, um, should be who plays for the championship. If a championship is going to be necessary or, you know, I was thinking about this. I, I don't know if this would be as popular of a, of a, an idea because of the amount of games, you know, you already with the, with the way the college football playoff sits now, where the, winner of the college football playoff would have played what 15 games yeah, at this right. point i don't know if this would be something that pe teams would want to do because that would be adding another game people are already you know uh, ups not upset but already say oh 15 games that's a lot of games to put you know put on the right. players if you were to eliminate the conference championship games and add another week of the regular season and then just yeah. crown your conference champion whoever's got the best record but then you get into that point where you could have a you know a two people tie for a record yeah. or for a championship, and that way you wouldn't and of have course, to eliminate what if those two that tie didn't play each other. Yeah, <laughs> so you've got the, you got to go through all these different tiebreaker scenarios. Uh, but I was that was just a thought that came across my mind is maybe you just if you eliminate conference championship games, you just name a champion at the end of the year whoever's got the best record. You add a, you don't have to eliminate one of those non conference games, but. Eliminating one of those non-conference games, you look at Auburn's schedule this year, non-conference-wise, you're playing Mercer, you're playing San Jose State, you're playing Penn State, you're playing Western Kentucky. Three of those are FBS schools. One of those is not. I think you could eliminate that FCS school. Now, that would be 
that would be bad for small conference football, small division football, because you don't get those payday games as much because people are going to want to play more FBS opponents to keep it, you know, to, to have a little bit of better resume going toward a playoff scenario. But, you know, it, it's uh, at some point. It's give and take. It's It's got to, you, you've got to look forward at your own school. You've got to look forward at your own playoff chances. You know, I, I think the the issue with eliminating conference championship game, especially in this league, this is the league that pioneered the concept of yeah. conference championship game. And uh, that's been an important part of college football here the last 25 years or, or so. So I, I, I do not think the SEC um, would feel the need to do that. But what, what I have thought about with those conference championship games and how it pertains to the playoff selection if you still had four teams by the time all this really goes down and you still had uh, just a four-team playoff and and now all the, the major conferences have gotten rid of uh, divisions or they've all changed their process to that where... tough to decide. To where, well, uh, to where you only have... Or you have the best two teams, for example, like the Big 12 does it now and how the ACC would propose it, being their conference championship game. I would find it harder to see initially based on my initial thoughts would find it harder to see two teams from one league in the playoff because uh, if you're still at four yeah no that be, probably wouldn't happen again because yeah because i mean you could have one versus three or something you know you you mentioned brooks when it was one and two when it was alabama and lsu before we even had a playoff and they had a rematch well if those two teams played Again, in the uh, SEC championship game and, and had a 21 nothing pretty demonstrative result for Alabama, would be hard to see LSU stay in there. Now, the, the one thing would be you would say, well, that was LSU's only loss. Bama had a loss, and maybe you could preserve it that way. Uh, but if you had number five or number six, for example, win a conference championship game, you know, call it USC in the Pac-12 or, or whatever you want to call it, then that team would, would very well have a chance. You you would you you'd still always have conversations, I guess. But I, I guess what I'm saying is is it would be a very finite path. You wouldn't you would you would really kind of need to be in that championship game to say, well, that team didn't even qualify for their conference championship game. How could they be a top four team? Now you get the playoff bigger, which I think will happen. Yeah. Uh, then that conversation would would go away because then you're gonna have to put two teams from a conference, and then do you, do you put that conference as number three, or do you put the loser of the conference championship game? You have all new conversations about who gets in the playoff and and who's more deserving and what it means to be in the conference championship game. But it, but it is interesting because uh, we're, we're, I don't, I, I don't want to say the word messing as if it's all bad, but we are messing with the way the sport works. And there's going to be some, again, some unintended consequences and, and some things such as conference championships could again be devalued. I'm not saying they'll be defunct and I'm not saying no one will care, but it would be interesting dynamic to, to say, okay, well, this conference championship game, it would feel more like basketball. This conference championship game is great. Someone's going to get a trophy, but both teams are in anyway. Now, that effectively happened last year with, with the Georgia and Alabama uh, result. However, if Alabama had lost, that would have been completely different because I think right. Alabama Alabama's out would have been out and Georgia was undefeated and it didn't matter what happened to them, obviously, and then they go on to win the national championship game. So there's 
there's a lot of thoughts it's a lot. to have because it impacts not just the 12 games you typically play in the regular season. It will impact the conference championship game. And therefore, if it affects the entirety of the season, it could affect the way the college football playoff selection process plays out. I don't know. It's it's it's, it's almost a cataclysmic fundamentally changing shift. things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a cataclysmic shift for sure. I you you just explained a lot. I mean, I agree <laughs> with pretty much everything you said just then for sure. Yeah, it's interesting to me when you think about um, how much each member of that committee places. Like we've heard about, is it the eye test? Is it they were a conference championship or conference champion? Is it were they undefeated? Um, so I think that the criteria as we move forward with the selection committee will continue, need to continue to be clarified, uh, especially if we eliminate divisions and, and eliminate conference championships. But um, do you think that this kind of – change in the scheduling and change of eliminating divisions or conference championships pushes the move to more teams in the playoff? Or do you think it kind of – that's on a, another timetable of its own? You know what I think is going to push the, the – exp- Tell me. Push things to be an expanded playoff? The fact that Greg Sankey said the SEC is fine with the four-team playoff. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think that's what's going to push it is that now that Greg Sankey has said that it's going to be – we're fine with the four-team playoff, the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12, the Alliance is going to be – well – Maybe we should do more teams. Well, if, if they're actually aligned this yeah. time, we'll, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, if they, again, the premise of having five power conferences and four spots, I don't know if anyone's ever figured that <laughs> out. Yet. But the, the one out of five that's missing ain't the SEC. So yeah. they should probably uh, think through that one if they're the other four power five schools. Got to take our first time out of our number two. On the other side of this timeout, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joins us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at sports call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Austin Scott with you, filling in for J.J. Jackson, who's again in Gainesville with the Auburn softball team, getting set for the SEC tournament. Going to go to our Auburn Bank phone line now. I'm pleased to be joined by Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Had Ferg in the office last week for about an hour and a half or so. Played some NBA War and, and had a good time. Ferg, uh, we're going to have NBA War on the show again today. Unfortunately, obviously with you on the phone lines, not able to participate. But you kept your perfect record alive last week. Yeah, who's going up against? Who, who's going up for today? Oh. Uh, so I think today we're going to do Austin versus Brooks with Cam judging. Ferg, right. it's my first right. time. I need advice. <laughs> uh, I mean, just just go with your gut. Don't overthink it. Um, but, uh, yeah, also play to the judge as much as you can. Okay. Uh, if you know, if you know, all Hawks if you know, players. you can, no. yeah, if you know, if you know something that can make him tick, you just, you just, you just play to that. But yeah, no, I, I, 
I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear somebody else is going to get to win this week since I'm not in there. <laughs> Fer, we got more college football news to talk about with you this week as uh, uh, ever-changing here with NIL. We'll start with that, and then we'll get into some scheduling stuff, which we've heard from you before on, on your preferred scheduling model. But we'll, we'll start NIL-related uh, on the latest and, and just everything with trying to, I guess, get boosters out of this. Where, where do you see this headed? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a, a way for the NCAA after the fact to put up some guardrails, trying to at least. Um, I, I don't know how great they're going to be at retroactive punishments but it's basically just going to draw a line in the sand and just say hey moving forward you can't be real egregious in the play for the pay for play kind of stuff very transparent very open about it um so the thing about it is is just you know collectives are going to be the big buzzword and my thing is with the collective is like all right if you if you're a collective and you're saying we're going to connect our players our schools players with uh you know businesses um and be kind of that go-between uh, be that bridge that's 100 percent okay that's 100 percent fine um it can get a little shady at times but like that makes sense if you're doing these things where it's like hey we just pulled a bunch of money together uh for some random folks and we're going to give it to a player that i think moving forward is going to get cracked down on a lot more than you know necessarily you know, making this like NILs going away or anything like that. Um, I don't like I said. I don't know how effective the NCAA is going to be able to be, you know, guarding any of this. Um, but I think it was just one of those things where it's like, all right, we got to do something because, you know, there were there were schools that were getting to benefit from some very blatant and very transparent, you know, pay for play schemes, and that's that's not what this was intended for in the first place. Well, and for you mentioned that, I think what's curious about it, and you mentioned it as well, is the retroactive punishment that they allege uh, i i kind of feel like it's a I, I believe it when i see it type of thing right yeah, uh, yeah. but in theory you would maybe think of it this way and a small silver lining and again this is operating under the presumption that that they will actually go and punish schools maybe it was a good thing that auburn didn't have uh, necessarily uh, a robust recruiting class with with all these big names coming in in year one because a, a school I won't name them by name but a school in Texas with a lot of boosters with a lot of oil money uh, that had a all time class would certainly catch a lot more of eyebrows and a lot more potential ire from the NCAA as someone that was, say, having kind of an uncharacteristic season uh, of not being as good in the recruiting rankings. Yeah, and I think Auburn's Auburn's whole approach to NIL from the very beginning, and this is not just football, this is basketball and other sports as well, has been, let's not be flashy about it, right? You know, we want to make sure our players can have access and good information and and, and do everything above board when it comes to NIL. Um, and, and you want guys to get your value. I mean, I think, of, say, for example, I mean, like, Bodick last year made a good bit of money in NIL. But it was kind of the old-fashioned way, right? It's just, you know, the, hey, this is just going to be us connecting with, you know, companies and having an agent and all that to, to set up deals. I think Auburn has, you know, they have their own collective, but this is not one of those, like, super, you know, out there saying, like, we're, we're getting all these people to come in and we're going we're gonna to give this much money to a player. Um, so I think it's it, it definitely has benefited Auburn that they haven't been as flashy with their NIL. I think NIL is still important, and I think it's something that um, people, you know, at Auburn and, and coaches and administrators and all that know the importance of. But they don't want to go over the top just in case, like you said, something like this were to happen. 
Justin, we, we see some reports pivoting away from uh, NIL. We're seeing some reports that the uh, the ACC could be moving to a new uh, schedule rotation in their football, which would include eliminating divisions and uh, moving to a, uh, I think our fr- friend Brendan Marcello from 247 reported three permanent rivals and five rotating opponents. What is your thoughts on this kind of uh, schedule movement from the ACC, and do you think it could work with the SEC going forward, especially with the addition of uh, Texas and Oklahoma down the road a little bit? Yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, I have been a big proponent of the pod system. Uh, and some people do it a couple of ways, right? There's one that everybody says, and I think this is what what made the rounds last year, is like, okay, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt are in their own division. And then, well, that's just doing divisions in a, you know in another way. What, what I like, and it's been, I mean, this has been around for a while. First time I saw it really in depth was at SB Nation. Oh, it's probably been about a decade ago at this point. Where it's kind of like what I think the ACC is going to do is, hey, yeah, have three permanent rivals that you play, and then everybody else you rotate. Um, and so not everybody has to have the same, you know, like if, if Auburn plays Alabama, if Auburn decides to keep Alabama and Georgia and uh, say like an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State, one of the border schools, as a permanent rival, um, that doesn't mean those other teams have to play the same ones as well, right? So, you know, protect as many rivalries as you can then rotate everybody else, and that's the best way to do it because in that, in that vein, what you're doing is you're, you're keeping your rivalries, and um, secondly, every player will get to have played at every uh, road venue in the SEC within a four-year career. Um, you know, there would be no more waiting a decade plus to go back to Tennessee or, you know, to, to Florida again or, you know, places like that. It would be, hey, everybody gets to play everybody within two years, and then everybody gets to play at everybody within four years. That's the most balanced way to go about it. So hopefully that system works. Um, I would love that to just kind of become the norm because divisions, you know, there's no real way to divide um, divisions. And then when you talk about having like the the four-team subdivisions, so to speak, um, there's no real way to kind of divide it fairly. So in that case, just open it up and, and protect what's most important to you, which is the rivalries and then rotate everything else. Uh, and when Texas and Oklahoma come into the league in the near future, it works out that way as well. SEC could expand to a nine-game conference schedule. You play three permanent ones, you play six one year, and then you play the other six the next year. You keep it rotating that way. It would be the easiest thing to do. In that same vein, Ferg, we've been discussing and debating on, on how divisions get abolished, and then you have conference championships – are those two the are the top two in the conference championships the best records or would you eliminate conference championships altogether and and name your conference champion based on best record? What would you do in that sense? And then when Texas and Oklahoma come, Brooks brought up the idea of possibly you get rid of that conference championship game, but then you have another regular season game to fit all your uh, in conference games as well as your Power Five conference games. It's getting mumble jumbled in here, but what would what would you <laughs> say about? you know, choosing your conference champion participants or having one at all? Yeah, I, I think having a championship game, look, it makes a ton of money. People yeah. are not going to go away from that. It makes too much money for it to happen, uh, for it not to happen. I feel like you get the two best records. You can do all the tiebreakers you need to to get those two spots. But, I mean, like, I think that's the best way to go about it. If it's a rematch, then so be it. I mean, that's not out of the ordinary. I mean, the Big 12 – the Big 12 gets so much money from having a championship game that even though right now in their current state they play a true round robin, they are guaranteed a rematch in their conference title game, yet they still do it because they see value in it. I don't think you're going to go away from that. Um, to, to your other point, it's an interesting thing where it's like there's been talks of, of, of a plus-one system uh, in the sport. And what it would basically do is this, um, you know, 
you, you play your pod, you play your, you know, your, your conference schedule. And then on conference championship weekend, the top two teams uh, play each other. And then three and four play each other. And then five and six, and then so on. And it goes down the line. So everybody gets one more game. Everybody gets one more data point. Uh, and it, you know, has some stakes. You know, it can, it can help out, um, you know, a team trying to make it to the playoffs. It can, you know, boost somebody's chances in a New Year's Six Bowl or something like that. Um, so that plus one system is, has also been talked about. And it's a really, really interesting one. Um, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to come down to just how much conferences, uh, want to add another game, uh, to their schedule at that point. But I think it would be a whole lot of fun. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, $6 a month or $60 a year to join the Auburn Observer and see what, uh, Justin has going on there, which is a lot of great stuff. Uh, Ferry, I want to ask you a couple other miscellaneous things before we let you go. Uh, one still in the world of football, 10 years $375 million for Tom Brady to be a color commentator, the lead color commentator for Fox Sports once he retires. What did you think when you saw that? Well, I mean, it, it makes sense to me. I know some people are like, wow, that's kind of crazy. You'd make more money uh, you know, being a talking head instead of playing, being a football player. And to me, that's not that big of a, uh, big of a surprise because, one, he is the most successful you know, winningest uh, you know quarterback of all time. So he's got you know this 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 uh, this spot in the sport that is unparalleled. You can't really kind of compare it to anybody else. Um, and the other thing is is that you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots when they had him under contract, and you know in the case of the Bucks still have him under contract. There's a salary cap they got to work with. Fox doesn't have a salary cap. They're they are going to pay however much money it needs to make to make sure that he doesn't go to ESPN, that he doesn't get picked off by CBS or you know, Amazon or whatever is going to going to look like moving forward. So, um, you know, that's the thing about professional sports and just sports in general. We're seeing it in college football and college basketball. This is this is a TV um, enterprise, right? The TV is where all the money is being generated. It's where all the money is coming in, and that's where it's all going as well. So it doesn't surprise me that one of the biggest, um, you know, not just biggest media companies in the world, but one of the biggest companies, period, in the world has that kind of change they can throw at a guy like Tom Brady. And, of course, I mean, like like I said, you know, there, there's no one else you can really kind of compare it to. You saw how good Tony Romo was and how important he was and how big of a star he became in the booth. That's Tony Romo. This is Tom Brady. It's just a completely different, you know, different stratosphere of, of terms of, like, you know, recognizability, and I think just branding would be huge for them. And now I'll, I'll head to a different stratosphere for this last question. Uh, Ferg, pitch me on everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, no, it is a really fun movie, um, really out there as a concept, um, but a whole lot of fun. I'll say this, if you watch the Doctor Strange movie, which I did this past weekend, uh, and like the kind of concept of like the multiple universes and like going back and forth between them and what that looks like, uh, and just those kind of concepts, you'll love this movie because it is very, it's a very fresh idea, it's a very original idea, there's some really good action in it, um, there's, it it's... It's a lot more comedic than I thought it would be. Uh, it is more kind of an action comedy than anything else. Um, but there is a main story at the heart of it um, that, uh, you know, packs some, packs some emotional punches as well. Uh, so it's a really phenomenal movie. It's my favorite movie of the year so far. Everybody in it kind of goes, you know, swings for the fences um, with their performances. And, uh, yeah, check it out. It's a, it's, a, it's a whole lot of fun. Justin Ferguson joining us today of the Auburn Observer. And, Ferg, uh, what does the Observer you and Painter got going on here in the next couple of weeks? Well, I'm glad I brought up the uh, the multiverse because that was the theme of our podcast today. 
uh, Painter and I went through a bunch of scenarios in football and basketball for Auburn and asked kind of what if, what if things were different, what if things were slightly different, what, if, what happens on that universe then? Um, so you can check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you know, I'll give you the first one we tackle is what happens if Auburn hires Kirby Smart instead of Gus Malzahn in 2013? What does that look like uh, moving forward? So there's a ton of stuff with that. Uh, that we go off of that, so you can listen to that uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We've got newsletters uh, throughout the week. I did a breakdown of Auburn's football roster, where they're at, where they need to go uh, in terms of the portal, in terms of the 2023 recruiting class. You can read that. Uh, tomorrow I'll have a newsletter out about Wesley Steiner, uh, one of the player profile kind of deep dives that I've been wanting to do uh, for football. Um, we'll do that one. And then we'll be on Julian Phillips' watch for his commitment later in the week. See if anything comes of that. We got a special guest for the premium podcast later in the week. So, a lot of stuff going on at the Observer. And, and like Ryan said earlier, six dollars a month or six dollars a year to sign up. Uh, it's all at AuburnObserver.com. Justin, we appreciate the time as always, man. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely, I'll be good. Yes, sir. That's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Enjoy our weekly chat with him as always. Going to get ahead to our next commercial break. More sports call after this timeout. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Thank you very much to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us there in the previous segment. If you missed that, go and check it out on the Sports Call podcast. And of course, uh, we have that podcast for you in all different kinds of formats, wherever you may get your podcast. It's Ryan LaVoy, Austin Scott, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry with you here hey on this Tuesday afternoon, about midway through the show. Ask Ferg about something we've yet to talk about, so I do want to talk uh, about it now and not necessarily as much the deal because I think we're all going to have probably similar opinions on it and I think Ferg also hit the nail on the head but in case you've not heard or in case you missed that interview or reminder Tom Brady signs a 10-year 375 million dollar contract now that's not Alex Rodriguez's Yankee contract or Mike Trout's Angels contract or anyone's playing contract a 10-year 300 and $75 million contract to join the Fox booth as the lead color analyst uh, once his playing days are over, which could be after this year. It could be in 72 years. I don't know, whenever he decides to hang them up. But uh, I want to talk about more the broader landscape here because at this point you say, well, why is he joining the Fox booth? Well, in case you've not heard, huge shakeup here with how – the really the entire football commentary landscape stacking up. So to fill everyone in, CBS is the same, and everything else is different. So still yeah. Jim Nance, Tony Romo as the lead crew. Uh, Cam, let you read off here 
uh, all the uh, the different broadcast crews. Fox has Kevin Burkhart and Tom Brady once he's done playing. NBC is uh, NBC, excuse me, is Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. ESPN, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Amazon, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. So to really again to tell up. you the movement here, which was very monumental. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, the voice of Fox for the last 20 years, and not just NFL football, but the World Series. Yeah. Uh, Joe Buck is with ESPN, and, and honestly, ESPN, thank you, because what they've been yes. trotting out there Good the gosh. last few years since, I guess, McDonough and Gruden, Tariko and Gruden, you know, yeah. kind of those pairings, has just not been up <laughs> par for the package that they are trying to present. Um, and then, I, I guess I shouldn't say and then, because what first happened was Troy Aikman left. And then Joe Buck left a, a week or two later. I think it's getting reported he's making 15 to $18 million per year to do essentially 15, 16, 17 football games. I think I also saw he's going to do some golf coverage, like a uh, mega cast yeah, type of thing. Oh. Joe Buck, they announced today that uh, Joe Buck is going to be hosting a Manning cast-esque uh, broadcast for the PGA Championship coming up here in a couple weeks. So, I mean, I guess that's the one thing that's that's different for him is, you know, he's not going to be doing MLB anymore. So, yes, the Atlanta Braves will be the last team to win a World Series while Joe Buck's calling it. Uh, but he'll get back in the golf. Fox briefly had the U.S. Open for a couple years had kind of a weird presentation of it. They lost the rights back to NBC. And so Joe Buck will be a part of some golf, so maybe that's something he's really excited about. But so Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, formerly of Fox, now with ESPN Monday Night Football. Yes, the Manning cast is still intact, so ESPN shelling out a lot of dough for their Monday Night presentations there. Um, NBC, just loot, or I should say Amazon, getting Al Michaels, one of the legendary voices of the sports, of sports broadcasting in general, and pairing him with Kirk Herbstreet. And no, he's not leaving college football, not leaving the ABC. Nobody panic. Everything's fine. Still doing college game day. Still doing ABC primetime Saturday night football games. Uh, but Kirk Herbstreet will be adding to his plate Thursday night football Amazon. So a fascinating pairing there of Al Michaels, who's one of the great, again, of all time. And then Kirk Herbstreet, who's been a uh, the number one color analyst in, in college football for a long time now. And then again, stepping up in the NBC booth, simply just pulling up Mike Tirico, who we all saw this coming as one day being in the Sunday night booth, but we expected it to be an Al Michaels retirement, not an Al Michaels replacement. replacement. So uh, that's different. And then Fox going with Kevin Burkhart to be their their number one play-by-play guy. You've seen him do MLB front desk coverage uh, of the World Series last year. I believe he's been doing some football games, just obviously not as the number one. Uh, prime time game but he'll be the number one play-by-play man and they'll have to have a, a fill-in for for Brady because obviously Brady will not be available this year um, but Fox has two of the next three Super Bowls so whoever fills in is going to be in a very significant role for the time being and then I would anticipate Brady will be done by the time that second Super Bowl comes in, in three years who knows maybe not just my speculation but um at that point, Brady will take over with Burkhart for that number one cruise. So, again, m- big shakeups, guys. What are you looking forward to most, or, or what do you worry might not work? Well, they said – I saw something earlier today. They said that, um, say, Tampa Bay doesn't get to the Super Bowl, doesn't get deep in the playoffs, whatever. I would assume they probably – I assume they probably win the division this year, so they probably do get in the playoffs. 
because um, the NFC South is. Um, and uh, they asked like a Fox representative. I don't remember exactly what, what, where it was or what it was, but they asked a Fox representative if Brady would be able to be available to call games like right then and there. And he kind of declined to comment. So that could be something, you know, maybe if he, if they don't make, if the Buccaneers don't make the Super Bowl this year, maybe this is Brady's last year. We don't really know if that's a hundred percent going to be a thing because you, you never know with you Tom. Never but know with Tom. That would be fascinating, that would be though. It, so, I mean, only two teams make the Super Bowl, so chances are Bucks don't make the Super Bowl. They'll be a contender, but if they don't, there's you have two weeks off, right? And so, say the Bucks are out in the divisional round or NFC Championship, then. All of a sudden, what if Brady's first ever God. game in the booth was I mean, the Super only, Bowl? Uh, it could only be him, right? I say you make it, could, it his first game yeah, regardless, whether him, he's in right? it or not. Mic <laughs> him up. Yeah. Let's have this. Uh, what a way to he's start a career. while he's yeah. playing. Absolutely. <laughs> the baseball does it all the time, right? <laughs> That's so crazy. So interesting. My two questions, because we know Jim Nance and Tony Romo work. We know Joe Buck and Troy Aikman work. Obviously, we we know Mike Tirico Collinsworth work because Mike Tirico did some Sunday Night Football for Al Michaels the last couple of years. Um, my question is going to be the about any of these is going to be does how what what is the chemistry between Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet because Herbstreet yeah. is forever has been with Chris Fowler on the ESPN booth and then also with Brett Musburger on that ESPN booth. So I want to know what that I I, I feel like the chemistry is going to be fine. Um, but I, I think that's the one chemistry I want to know. The other thing is we don't know really what Brady's going to be like in the booth. Yes. We've seen him do the the uh, Tom versus Time, and we've seen him do the Man in the Arena, but those are more documentary style. He's talking to you a little bit. I want to know how it's going to work. I think he'll be fine because going into it, you know, no one knew how Tony Romo was going to be. No one knew how Troy Aikman was going to be. They're all really, really good in the booth. But I just that's what's going to be what is the that lucrative of a contract? What is the adjustment period going to be for Tom to go from? All right. This is what I have. This is what I need to say. This is what I have to say. And what his his chemistry in the booth of how he he transitions from I'm a football player to I got to analyze every single thing here. That's going to be the interesting. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to be great at it. It's just going to be how long does it take him to get there? Because Tony Romo, it was almost instantaneous. Perfect. He got up. He was in predicting play. He was, yeah. yeah. I, w- w- is Tom Brady going to get there as quick as Tony Romo did? That's the only question that I have. I think Brady's going to be great at it because he knows football so well. he watches film. You know, as he's a, much he's as a he psycho. Can. Yeah, he, he is a psycho. He sits there and he 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 probably, if he could, would have film playing on the inside of his eyelids when he's asleep. <laughs> but so he knows the game of football. But just how how quickly does he get to that level of I'm I can be an elite analyst as much as my money is worth? Yeah, my biggest question is is similar to Brooks with Amazon and Herb Street and uh, Al Michaels, just because for so long Herb Street's like you said, Ryan, with Chris Fowler and is just known as that Saturday night on college football. Uh, or, yeah, did Brooks say that? That's Brooks did say that. But just for so long has been the voice on, of the biggest game on Saturday night in college football. And so um, I think it's just going to be different. And uh, I, don't, I don't really question Herb Street's transition to it, uh, more of just like the viewing experience and, and how it will differ with the NFL game and, and the differences that can come of – that 
So well, we we saw a mini dose of that, which right. uh, was a really good idea by ESPN, I think, last year mm-hmm. at the week seventeen or eighteen or wh- whatever week it was. But he did that Broncos Chiefs game yeah. uh, and sounded really good. And him and Fowler both, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think here's why I have confidence in it is just because they're both really good. Yeah, and it. I don't know if there's been, and maybe someone w- could call in and, and give you a, a booth here, give us a booth that, that didn't work well between two talented people, but I feel like if a booth doesn't work, it's because someone's not very good. I, I feel like if you put two really good, a good analyzer and a good good play-by-play man, you're going to end up with a good result because they're going to figure out how to work together and how to bounce off one another. Like Al Michaels again, yes, he's getting older. I, I'm sure he has a few more slip-ups than he used to, whatever. They, you always do when you get to be his age. Uh, but he's still, I mean, one of the iconic voices of the sport in a just sports broadcasting period. You pair that with Herb Street, who has been far and away, you know, I, I know Gary Danielson exists and I know other people exist, but has been far and away the number one color commentator yeah. uh, in college football for the last 10, 15 years now, or 15 re- years really. And, and so you think about all the people he's worked with because he has worked with more than just Chris Fowler. He worked with, I feel is a pretty similar situation with Brent Musburger, um, you know, who was a legendary of the, of the college sport and how Brent was starting to age out of things and how, you know, just to remind everybody, um, I, though, I believe the last national championship game Brent <laughs> did was the Auburn Florida state game. And he so eloquently opened the game by saying, hi, I'm Kirk Herbstreit alongside Brent Musburger. And Kirk's just standing there with a wry smile because he knows what he just said, but he can't just break, you know, he can't break down laughing. But Brent Musburger, Brent Musburger just called himself Kirk Herbstreet and called Kirk Herbstreet Brent Musburger <laughs> to open up the national championship game. And so I feel like Kirk can, I'm just saying, if Al is declining and if he has a lot of slip-ups, Kirk's going to know how to handle that. If Al's on his A game and he's still everything we've always come to expect, well then, it's going to flow great because Kirk's great. And so I'm not too worried about that. I think the biggest reality question, just if Tom is good, and and I don't think it's going to be that Tom is going to be dumb or not know how the plays work. He's going to know all that. It's just how it comes across. You know, does he speak at the right times? Does he add to what the play-by-play person just said? There's just the, the little intricacies about doing that job. But you notice a lot of color commentators in the sport of football, they're former quarterbacks. Uh, if you look at the guys doing it right now, Kirk Herbstreit was a college quarterback. Tony Romo, quarterback of the Cowboys. Troy Aikman, obviously, quarterback of the Cowboys. Only Collinsworth was a wide receiver. And so you'd have four of the five top networks having their number one guy as a quarterback. And, and granted, I, I get there's there's plenty of other examples. There's DBs that do it. There's t- Greg Olson's a tight end. I get it. There's other positions. But when it comes to it, the quarterback – in the same way that a catcher becomes yeah. a manager sometimes in Major League Baseball. They know they the just, most about the game. They know the most, exactly. And so Brady will know what he's talking about. Can he illustrate it in the best way will just be his only issue. Yeah. Do we know for sure who the interim will be, I guess at least for this year? I don't know, and that's an I interesting question because 
you know, Greg Olson, maybe. I, I, that's who it's been rumored because yeah. he had a pretty good first year last year with Fox. The reality is Fox had to do something pretty big because yeah. they clearly have the five out of five booth here. I mean, you, you can't just let a streaming service like Amazon, who's never done these games, to all of a sudden have a better booth than a <laughs> than a station that's done games for years and years and has multiple Super Bowls ahead of itself. And so, you know, that's not a knock on Kevin Burkhart, but he's just not a known commodity as someone doing these games. And, and granted, Tom's not going to be a known commodity, but... People are going to tune in to see how it's yeah. going to go. And they also mentioned in the press release, you know, in Tom's brand to help our branding. Well, yeah, that makes some sense because Tom is building a big brand off the field. And he already has one, obviously, on the field because of the success. But it's like if your name is attached to Tom Brady and it's anything to do with football, that's a positive thing. It's the same yeah. thing that if you were talking basketball, if I'm attached to LeBron or Michael Jordan, if, I, if I'm in golf attached to Tiger Woods, that's just going to be a positive thing. I'm going to feel better about my overall goal, whatever that might be in the sport, if the top guy of the sport is right there with me. So that that, that is something that I think is worth maybe some to them as well. Uh, and worth taking the chance because, again, they would have the fifth out of five booth here uh, and might still, unless Tom is really good, but they lost Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who Joe Buck did a lot for them uh, at, at Fox. So it's a big shakeup. I'm really excited, as I think we yeah. all are, to see it. But uh, the good news is, for Brooks in particular, but for all of us, Steve Levy is not doing any more <laughs> Monday Night Football games. That's right. So he'll he'll have hockey though. I think with the hockey package. Can we just get Booger back? Yeah. No. The Booger <laughs> so see, the thing about that, guys, is nobody would want that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a soul. <laughs> that is the end of hour number two. Fun conversation right there. Also enjoyed talking to Justin Ferguson on the other side of this timeout to start hour number three. NBA War. It will be. Austin Scott versus Brooks Childress with Cam Berry judging. Don't miss that. That's coming up next. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Deal yourself in to the 23rd Annual Sheriff's Girls Ranch Poker Run. Presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer on Saturday, June 11th on beautiful Lake Martin. Play for that straight flush or full house as you pick a card at each of our stops around the lake. The stakes are high at this 44,000 acre poker table as the player who holds the best hand at the end of the day wins $5,000. And of course, $10,000 will go to benefit the Cheros Girls Ranch. Call 334-887-9999 to register today. A limited number of tax-deductible tickets are available. It's the 23rd Annual Sheriff's Girls Ranch Poker Run. Presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Saturday, June 11th on beautiful Lake Martin. Come on, put some skin in the game. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three is Sports Call kicking off right now here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, Ryan LaVoy, Canberry, Brooks Childress, and Austin Scott with us here today on this Tuesday afternoon. A beautiful day on the plains. We've had a fun show thus far. Been hitting on a lot of different topics. Before we go any further and we get into our game of NBA War, I want to remind you Auburn softball is in Gainesville and they will have the SEC tournament starting tomorrow with a game at 1.30 tentatively scheduled. That will mean we will start after our normal time. We do not have a concrete time, obviously, because we got to let the games play out. There will be a game before Auburn and Missouri, then they will play at 1.30. Typically, softball games take about two hours, maybe two hours, 15 minutes, with a brief postgame show. So maybe an ETA around 4 for the show tomorrow, which would be the, the throwback show of sorts, the 4-6 to six that we did for yeah. many years. Um, but uh, we will let you know on our social media tomorrow when, you know, when we're planning to go on air. But we will go on just a few minutes after the conclusion of the broadcast between Auburn and Missouri. Hopefully not the only game that Auburn plays in the SEC tournament, but that's where J.J. Jackson is, and that is why we will not start on time tomorrow. But we will have a show, provided that there's not a crazy 13-inning game or a delay or something where we can't have at least 30, 45 minutes of a show. But uh, we will have a shortened show starting a little later tomorrow after Auburn softball. All right, so... Last week, Justin Ferguson was in studio. Now, he was on our Auburn Bank phone line earlier today with a great interview. and Check that out in the Sports Call podcast. But last week, he was in studio. We played some NBA War, and we're going to do that again this week. Of course, Ferg not with us. Our participants today will be Austin Scott, taking advantage of the fact that he's in studio with us today, and he also likes the NBA. Brooks Childers, who's been into the NBA playoffs, will compete against him. And Cam Berry, who's a big NBA guy, will be the judge. So he's going to know all these guys. He's going to be able to see what fits. To remind everyone of what the superlatives were last week. And and also just remind everyone how the games work. We'll give you five superlatives. The guys will have eight cards to play from. And you'll play the card that you think the player fits the superlative the best. So last week's superlatives were best fighter, best dancer, most likely to believe conspiracy theories, Kyrie Irving, most likely to throw up at the party, and most likely to put sugar in spaghetti, which was a Terry Rozier reference that I was not familiar with <laughs> and uh, lost a 2-2 game to Ferg there, 3-2, because I was unfamiliar with the reference. So uh, we will have Austin versus Brooks. I'm going to go ahead and name the superlatives, and I'll give you the sheet for your knowledge, and I'll give you the pack of cards. And again, there'll be eight cards, five superlatives. So today's superlatives. Do we get to keep the cards? Uh, yeah, we'll let you keep the cards. Yay! I like it. <laughs> um, Yay. Unless it's someone good, then you got to give them to me. I'm just no. kidding. Um, the five superlatives today. Best ladies man. Mm-hmm. Worst Facebook friend. Okay. Best cook. Mm-hmm. Most likely to throw the Monopoly board after losing. Mm-hmm. 
and most likely to coach after their playing days. Okay. Oh, this will so be fun. Yeah, I'm going like to give it. everyone a sheet here. Flip it to the second page. Brooks and I have shaken hands. I just want the record to reflect. This is a sportsmanship show. Yeah. We're all about sportsmanship here. So I give you that. Again, second page is your superlatives you want to work with. You go, Brooks. Excellent. And then we'll go ahead and give Austin a pack of cards with Luka Doncic on the cover. Perfect. Brooks, a pack of cards. Luka Doncic on the cover. You guys can go ahead and open up your cards here. Again, Cam Berry will judge. Love a good pack of, of one. I just love a good pack of baseball cards. But any of these. The physical cards collect, hit a little different. I used to collect basketball cards. I have a whole. When will we have NFT board? Collection. <laughs> uh, never? <laughs> Just the smell of a fresh pack of cards. Oh, it smells so good. Yeah. All right. What do we got here? All right. You guys examine okay. your workload here. Okay. The, the, the lettering is hard to read, it's kind of holographic. Oh, yes. Oh, ho, ho. Austin seems I'm excited. I'm excited for this. There's a few I don't really know I, what I'm going to do yet, but I'm excited. There's a few that I have no idea how they I'm work, but there's a few this. that I, I'm like, yeah. All right. All right, so let's start it off. Guys, find your best card for best ladies, man. And again, Cam will give his thoughts on who he picks to win this one. So best ladies, man. I wish. And uh, I will give the right away to Austin, so he will start first when he is ready. I wish that I had uh, James Harden. <laughs> Best ladies, man. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one, one would be automatic. Him there's, or like Kelly Oubre. There's a there's a, All right. a few big ones. I'm not going to I'm not going to go out early. I'm going to say this quote real quickly. This <laughs> is kind of off subject, but it has to do with the NBA. This is hilarious and it just came across across the Twitter wire. Uh, Charles Barkley on taking music appreciation at Auburn, quote, I appreciate it, and they gave me an A. (laughs) So that's your NBA randomness right there from the great Charles Barkley. All right, NBA superlatives, best ladies man. Austin, what do you got? All right, my first one is Kobe White, a guard from the Chicago Bulls. Okay. Man out of North Carolina. Kobe White seems like a really great guy. Yeah. If you remember, right after he got drafted, he was super excited for his teammate, his North Carolina teammate, who Ryan's going to help me with, Cam Johnson. Just a stand-up guy, has played a great teammate role there. Hasn't been really the star he might have thought he would with Levine and DeMar DeRozan there or, or Vooch, but has really played a great teammate guy. Can see how that would translate well with the ladies. So I'm going Kobe White, guard for the Chicago Bulls. Strong. All right, Brooks. I am going to go with uh, Moses Moody of the Golden State Warriors. Um, he is a he's a rookie, correct? Yep. He's a rookie. Yeah. So that I think that plays into his advantage, where he can walk into the club and be like, "Hey, ladies, I'm on the Warriors, <laughs> and I'm going to be really, really good." And they can't tell him otherwise. Like he he's going to be uh, he's going to win a championship. And so I think that's he's got that going for him. So I'm going to get take a uh, Moses Moody. All right, so I'm going to go with Kobe White. Yeah, I know. Nice. Because, because. He made a better argument than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that and so when Kobe White got drafted, he used to have a lot, a lot of hair. Yeah, Um, true. And I can can relate. Uh, I used to have a lot of hair myself before I I cut all my hair off. Um, And I can attest to that women love hair. Mm. Like, especially black kid like they love they just it's so curly touching on it so yeah that that can help a lot so i will i'm gonna go with kobe white on this one yeah uh, austin was alluding to it the uh 
the great quote while he was in press conference. Kobe was supposed to go in the lottery, and he Cam, did. Cam and, and then Cam, yeah, Cam got drafted. Wow, bro. Wow, <laughs> that's love, bro. Wow. Yes. Um. So you know he. That's love, bro. His facial reactions during that are just like some of my favorite things to watch. <laughs> Pure so, genuine excitement for exactly. his friend. One to zero, Austin. No Fred Brooks, though. We've got four more great categories up. So up next, worst Facebook friend. And Brooks will be going first. We'll alternate who does that. So Brooks will go first when he is ready. Um, I, I, I want to save some of the better cards for later, but I think that I may have to... Pull this out. All right. Worst Facebook friend. I'm going to go LaMelo Ball. <laughs> and not because of LaMelo. It's because his dad is going to comment on oh, every single post okay, he does. And okay. you're going to see yeah, it every LeVar, single time. LaVar might scare you away. Okay. Okay. Look at my son. Look at that great post yeah. right there. That's a good argument. I like that <laughs> Also, LaMelo. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm, Mine is going to be for the social media reactions and actions of this said person, not so much their family member. Because if you follow this person, now we're going worse Facebook friends, so we're going to have to translate this a little bit. But if you follow this athlete, uh, if you reply to him at all, you could get clowned. If you uh, are even close to associate with someone that doesn't like this athlete, you could get clowned. I'm going with the Ford for the Brooklyn Nets, oh, Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant. Oh, man. Because he's pretty mean. Yeah. He's pretty mean on he social media. does not care. And uh, I doubt he's on Facebook. But he does if not he care. is, if it's anything like Twitter, he's he's pretty mean. I would like to make a counter argument. This is tough. You wouldn't see, know it's him on Facebook because it's his burner accounts. <laughs> 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 That's tough. That's tough. KD might also agree with you, though. He could be a friend. He could be an enemy. You never know. You never know. You never know. You know. It just depends on the day with him. With LaMelo, he might not even accept your Facebook request to be a friend. So just that's just kind of the energy that I get from LaMelo. So I, I'm going to have to go with LaMelo on this one. All that right. was a competitive one. Yeah, that, yeah. that one was tough. LaVar was a good good right punch. Yeah, that's a great works. point because LaMelo himself, <laughs> LaMelo himself might not be incredibly annoying. I mean, you know, maybe you don't like all the hype of the ball family. No, but but it's, just, it's a swagger that I'm like – he just kind of carries himself just a little bit, but but Lavar is definitely going to be like, you see that twenty three point <laughs> yeah. game by my boy, and uh, better than Steph Curry, Shut and so yeah, uh, I see twenty three from the field. <laughs> All right, tied at one, going to the third superlative NBA war best cook, and Austin will start us off. All right, we're going with a uh, best cook. Yep. It's hard to determine. But we're gonna we're gonna add some international flavor okay. to this one because you know if it, best if cook could, to, cook, to yeah. Cam could be someone from international country because he doesn't know the dishes, it could be different than what you would expect. It's fair. Laurie Markkinen is from Finland. Okay. All right, all right. I, I have uh, zero uh, a clue of any Finnish I don't dish either. ever. <laughs> I <laughs> laugh because I'm like, Laurie I don't know. But you know who does? Laurie Markkinen. That's fair. But I think Laurie Markkinen would be an excellent cook. Treat you to f- to, uh, the first ever Finland dish that you uh, That's exactly know, right. know for a fact you've eaten. That's exactly right. And it would be phenomenal. And now that he's in Cleveland, I would think he's making a lot of food for himself anyway. Because just like Finland, I don't know what's native to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> so Laurie Markkinen is going to be my nominee for best cook. 
I don't know if anybody likes Scandinavian food. Have you ever? Laurie Markkinen does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with a guy that needs to be a good cook to fill his free time because he's not making the playoffs. Josh Jackson with the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> he's got to have a be able to be a good cook because he's got to make all the the dishes for the post game or for the postseason parties he's hosting at his house to watch the postseason. <laughs> this one's this one's hard, <laughs> just because. I don't know He's if it was the they're, they're, best cards ever it's played. Not, it's hard because they're both bad. I, I thought I thought Austin was going to break out like a French player yeah. or an Italian player or something. <sighs> if he did that, but it's he, okay to have a throwaway <laughs> card. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go with Laurie. Ah, oh, just just I because not, I would not have given myself. Yeah, yeah just I don't know Josh Jackson. I, I just. At least, at least Lori's uh, like with, foreign, you know. At least I'm getting a foreign dish out of it. That Brooks did make a good point about he's gonna need a lot of lot of uh, skills cooked yeah, and, yeah, and stuff yeah. because <laughs> in the playoffs. But um, when I think of Josh Jackson, I can just see him going through McDonald's yeah, drive through exactly. five times a week just, too. He's like, uh, I need something to eat. I'm just gonna go to KFC. All right, so two to one, Austin now. So Brooks needs a rally. Most likely to throw the Monopoly board after losing, and Brooks will be up first. Hopefully, Brooks does not have to throw this board if he loses this competition. I don't know. Austin seems There's... so excited about his pack, and I never heard Brooks say one peep, so I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of nervous well, I've here. Got, I've got several Pistons, which does no one. Oh, no, idiots. they don't win in any time. There's one card that I want to play here, but I think it'd be better for the next one. So I'm going to go with most likely to throw the Monopoly board after losing is Marvin Bagley because he played at Kansas, oh. was not used to losing. No, he didn't. Did he play at Kansas? Duke. Oh, Duke. 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 Yeah, well, they're sore losers anyway. All right. So Marvin Bagley played at Duke, sore loser, goes to goes to uh, the yeah. Kings, still not winning anything. So he's throwing the Monopoly board all the time. Threw a fit. Quit. Yeah. Kind Got of. Three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's in Detroit now. Is that what you said? No, he's a he's a king. He no, he got he got traded. He's, 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 he's with yeah. yeah he's he with is Detroit a, now. He is Detroit. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, it, a king on this it card. was it was mid season that he yeah. got See, traded. I, yeah. don't, I don't know players. Yeah. So you have even more Pistons than you realize. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> Mine is similar. They're not on a. He's not on a great team. But we've also got some evidence of some anger issues oh, in this oh, short he might career. Have you. He might have you, Brooks. Even though it's been a short career. The guard for the Houston Rockets, Kevin Porter Jr., has oh. been in the news for some <laughs> oh, bad anger issues. Done. He oh. doesn't have a whole lot of uh, great off-the-court following news following him around. Uh, if you take Park Place and Boardwalk from Kevin Porter Jr., you <laughs> might get a handful of hotels <laughs> yeah. right in your face. So, uh, yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. is my nominee. Well, I, I thought you had it, Brooks. I'm sorry. I have to go with Kevin Porter Jr. on this yeah. one because he's – I mean, what was with what he, he did in Cleveland? Did what, he what Kevin Porter Jr. did in Cleveland? What was he, it though that he did with the Rockets? Didn't he was hit it with, a coach? Was it with the Rockets? Uh, he, I think it was with the Rockets because I could have swore he was going to get kicked off the yeah, team. Yeah, there was a female issue somewhere along the line too. I thought he got. Uh, ki- I did he get? He played for Cleveland, right? Or was yeah. he got drafted That's to Cleveland or whatever? Drafted, he yeah. got he got kicked off that team or released and then did he, he get traded released. or he got released. Yeah. released rockets picked him up but then there was an incident this year and i i just 
I don't know if he walked off the court. No, no, I think you're right. I think it was he an assistant coach the, or something. Or he walked off the – I don't – he had something where I was – I was pretty confident he was going to get suspended or kicked oh, off. Oh, he threw team. an – yeah, he had he exploded with rage after a verbal altercation with his assistant coach, John Luke, Lucas, Lucas, after reportedly oh. throwing an object. He See? hopped in his car and abandoned the squad. It was probably in a Monopoly board. He probably <laughs> threw a Monopoly board. Yeah. Oh my so God. Kevin Porter Jr. not my being honor- talked about for the right. Dude, that <laughs> my honorable mention for that one was Dylan Brooks given the last week and wow Gary well, Payton. You but. you were destined to have that column. Well, it is three to one Austin. Uh, a three to one lead cannot be blown in this instance, but we will play the fifth round of course anyway. Most Can this be worth two points? Uh, <laughs> no, most likely to coach after their playing days, and Austin will start us off. This one is a uh, he's a rookie. This year uh, came from a great uh, program and that has had a lot of success as of late. Hasn't won a national title, has uh, been able to learn from a great coach. And now in his first year with the Washington Wizards, I think Corey Kispert could end up being a good coach after his playing days. Okay, uh, Seems to be a knowledgeable guy. Still has a lot to go in his career. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll go with Corey Kispert. Brooks? This man is already basically the head coach, GM of the Los Angeles Lakers, so <laughs> LeBron James. Oh, yeah. It's LeBron. Yeah. LeBron oh, man. That uh, yeah. He, well, oh. he knew. It's a good thing I uh, tried to win on the last one. Yeah. Well, I was because, done for. Yeah. See, but see, I don't blame Brooks for how he played it because you say, oh, you want to get to the last one with a chance to win. Yeah. But, you know, if you got. That's, that's your trump card yeah. right there. Yeah, that, that almost is worth two. It is very <laughs> close. But Austin is the winner. Three to two, guys. What? Uh, go ahead and reveal your other three cards. What you had, just just so we can know if something else would have fit. Somewhere. I had um, I had Jeremy Gant or Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Piston. I had uh, Christian Wood of the Rockets. Uh huh. And I had Malachi Flynn of the Raptors. That's <sighs> just a useless <sighs> card. That's <laughs> tired. Yeah. Wood, Christian Wood might have been able to be used, but the other, yeah, yeah Grant Grant's just an. As a decent player, it just doesn't stick out. No. Yeah. Awesome. I had uh, I mentioned I had Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep. I had Alec Burks of the New York Knicks. And I had Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat. Mm. Is there any you would have switched out with what I chose there? Uh, the ones I if lost If you did were Duncan Robinson, I gave you the point, but if you did Duncan Robinson for best cook, I might have believed cook, you. Yeah. yeah. I, he was in the running. I, I could have bought that for sure. I immediately just thought about Russell Wilson, but we're not doing NFL cards. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that if either person – you know how last week the conspiracy theory won, uh, Brant was like, you know, if, if someone has Kyrie Irving for this, and I had Kyrie Irving, and I <laughs> just – it was before the game started, so I just winked at him because I knew I had Kyrie Irving at that point. If someone had either Harden or – uh, Curry for best cook. Oh yeah, just because Harden did the stir up yeah, thing yeah. for a while, and then Curry's nickname chef. is Chef Curry. Yeah. yeah, either one would have just been an old. That would have been. And his that. wife is a yeah. chef, so I bet he knows oh, how yeah. to cook. Yeah. So that's fun though. Another game of NBA War. Just glad we got some NBA cards. JJ had been looking for those over town for a while. Was able to pick those up last week. We had some NFL War uh, in previous years, and as we go throughout the summer, I'm sure we'll have more of this. Maybe we'll break out an MLB War and yeah. some other yeah. things. So. Uh, we'll definitely have more of this kind of stuff. But Austin, the victory today, 3-2. to two. Hope everyone enjoyed that. We're going to take our first break of our number three. More sports call after this timeout. 
J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 at Tiger.fm. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Austin Scott, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday. Just had a game of NBA war. Austin Scott victorious, 3-2. But a uh, great card. Brooks probably had the best card overall uh, at the end. You can't yeah. use it for every single thing. <clears throat> Obviously, he's a great player. But I uh, uh, had LeBron at the end there, so he came back and made it 3-2. That was a fun game, and since we just did NBA War, let's talk a little NBA as the playoffs continue on and, and news breaking. Uh, I guess about 30 minutes ago yeah. or so now, John Morant with a bone bruise expected to uh, miss the remainder of the playoffs, or at least doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs. Also, that's kind of just subjective on the fact that he may his team may have one more game left. They could still win the series. You know, you don't know how long uh, the Grizzlies will be playing, but in theory, they could be out in one game. Um, Close game last night between the two, despite Jaw not playing. Golden State only able uh, to eke out the victory after trailing for 47 minutes and 16 seconds. I guess not 16 seconds. They did not take their first lead until about 44 seconds left in the game. The thing that stood out to me, guys, was just another uh, really rough shooting <sighs> night from Golden State. Uh, 24% from three. They had a game two games ago in game two that they lost with a shot 18% from three. Of course, they boomed in game three and made everything. Uh, but a little boomer bust at the moment. Again, getting pretty good looks. Uh, a couple force looks trying to get over Jaron Jackson Jr., but Steph missed some open looks. Clay missing open looks. Thank God for Otto Porter Jr. Yeah. hitting four of six. But <laughs> Golden State not shooting the ball very well, but fortunately, jaw out of it. Memphis not able to score well. But the counter here, and want to see what you guys think about this for this series. We got to talk in basketball about the importance of both sides of, of people's play because obviously this sport dictates that you've got to be um, very important both offensively and defensively. And that's why we talk about great two-way players like Kawhi and Clay Thompson and DeRozan when you know, I guess he's still in his prime the way he played this year. But guys like that because we also have guys in the league like Kyrie who's as talented as he can be offensively, who is just god-awful defensively. <laughs> James Harden comes to mind in that as well. And you have the flip side of that, guys that were really great defensively that don't offer much offense, like Rudy Gobert, Rudy. for example. Yep. You know, or if you thought about the last rendition of Memphis, Tony Allen was somebody who's incompetent yeah. offensively, or Oklahoma City's Andre Robertson. So guys that do one side of the ball excel at it, but are very poor the other side. 
And I look at Memphis, and you look at the pluses and minuses to what they got last night. You lost a lot of offense with Jaw coming or Jaw being out. Yeah. You got better defensively because Golden State has gone at him time and time again, especially with Poole. And Morant has really, despite him being really quick, he is a little slender, has not played well defensively. But they get Dylan Brooks back, who is an excellent defender. They're, I would say their best defender. But Dylan Brooks is not a very good offensive player. So you have two really big minuses with their offense. One, because you lose Morant. Two, because Dylan Brooks is not a great offensive player. And then you get probably a good bit better, get two pluses defensively, one that Jaw is not in there because he's not a good defender, and then two, that Dylan Brooks is bad. So by no means to even out, not saying that. But I think you saw it was still difficult for Golden State to drive to the lane. They got their open jumpers and missed them but they were not getting to the lane as easy because Dylan Brooks was out there as opposed to John Morant. But conversely, they were easier to defend because Memphis doesn't have one player that can just get to the rim like John Morant does. And Dylan Brooks was shooting contested threes. Jaron Jackson Jr. shot a bunch of contested threes, got his three blocked. And it was a completely different game, obviously, with Jaw out, but it just unfolded so weirdly to see Golden State struggle so mightily for most of the game but then ultimately still pulled it out and now have that big 3-1 lead. Yeah, to start out 0 for 15 uh, from 3 for Golden State is obviously extremely uncharacteristic. Um, and uh, also so surprising that Otto Porter was the one to kind of light the spark from beyond the arc. Um, you know, for the most part, Golden State, they were never truly out of it. You know, the game probably stayed. I think the largest lead is probably about maybe 10 points at some point for Memphis. Um, but you knew that eventually the threes were going to fall, the ones that needed to fall. Um, you know, even though they shot 24% from three, Memphis shot 25% from three. So, you know, it's not like there was anybody that was really going crazy outside of Otto, Otto Porter who shot four for six from beyond the arc and they were pretty clutch threes very impactful threes at the moment very big momentum swings uh for golden state especially and then you saw towards the end steph kind of turn it on a little bit um and do his thing to kind of close it out and and that is ultimately what gave golden state the win uh defensively you know you're you're right they still had jaron jackson they still had dylan brooks um memphis i mean um and losing i mean even kyle anderson he's he's a pretty solid defender i would say kind of you know he they, they call him slow-mo because of his offensive stuff but um i would say he's, he's not too terrible at you know staying in front of his man um and losing jaw definitely was very impactful for for their offense um tyus jones i mean as a as a backup point guard he shot 18 shots last night so that, i mean that was a lot i mean eight for 18 not a lot of a efficient shooting from either side um i mean i i saw at one point for golden state they were just i mean just jacking up shots which you know it's you know sometimes if they're going in there you know they're going in which is you know that's that's the exciting part about watching golden state is they shoot threes at a high clip and it's exciting to see when they fall but when they're bad they're bad (laughs) 
and not falling. I mean, Jordan Poole, 0 for 3 from 3, 4 for 12 from the field. There were some shots that he definitely, you know, I think there was one where he was cut into the lane, got a pass from Draymond, and he just kind of botched the layup. Um, and it was just supposed to be a really easy finger roll. So there are some shots like that where you're just like, ah, you know, can't be missing those. Um, overall, great game. Enjoyed watching it, especially, you know, coming down. Didn't know who was going to kind of get there. And then Golden State just kind of, like I said earlier, they showed their age and their experience in fighting through that adversity. And this you could say the same with the Grizzlies. They just weren't able to close it out. Um, so, yeah. I think I thought the same way about the entire game uh, from what Charles said at halftime with the crew. Uh, it just felt like they were going to win, even though as bad as they started 0 for 15. And, of course, Charles is going to be – they were super lamboyish yeah. and super, you know, say, well, th- this is no problem. But it just felt like their championship mentality and what they've been they've been there before was going to overcome, and they were just kind of almost playing with Memphis. Um, now, they definitely had to turn it on there late, uh, and they did, and it worked, and Steph got hot. But uh, it just felt like it was, it was to a point where Memphis wasn't going to be able to f- close it out. It took all but 44 seconds, but uh, Golden State came away with the win. So, um yeah, I think that Jaw being out that game and at least the next game or two, I would we say think, from the series, yeah, yeah uh, is going to play a pretty big role. Um, but you know, Memphis being one of the deepest teams in the league, it feels like uh, definitely put up a fight last night, and I don't see why they won't be a thing yeah, to reckon with going forward. As long as they're not discouraged, I mean, they do get Game Five at home. Uh, that is the benefit of being the home team in the series is that you only have one more road game. You feel after that game that you could compete in San Francisco, right. but at the same time, you'd just be surprised if the Warriors didn't find one of these three to yeah. finish them off. In particular, one of the next two. Obviously, if it gets the game seven, it's a huge win for Memphis. Anything can happen there. Let's talk about the other series here real quickly. Oh, we got a couple more minutes. Uh, a couple of 2-2 series tonight, Miami and Philadelphia. No Kyle Lowry again. Joel Embiid is playing. He's still favored by two and a half. Suns and Mavericks in Phoenix. That one has become an interesting series. All of a sudden tied at two. Phoenix six and a half point favorites for tonight. And then uh, tomorrow, of course, the Warriors in a 3-1 lead. The other series is also 2-2 Bucks and Celtics after Celtics win game four in Milwaukee. Let's talk about these three 2-2 series uh, what do you guys like in this series? What or these three series? What has surprised you about these three series? I, I mean, I think the biggest surprise across the whole NBA landscape is Dallas making this a series. Yeah. Uh, I I thought Phoenix would have a ton of time off uh, for the next round already, uh, but you know Dallas is Jalen Brunson, Luka Doncic have made it a series and uh, they've performed really well. I've been impressed with Boston too. Uh, obviously needed a really big game from Horford last night and got it. Uh, turned back the clock there a little bit. But um, I've been impressed with the way they've been able to stay in front of Giannis and, and keep up with the Bucks. Um And then, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the third series there. Uh, Sixers Miami heat. and Philly. Sixers heat. Yeah, Lowry, you did say Lowry's out tonight. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I, he was out the first two. See, I don't right. even think no. that's going to be that big of an I don't impact. either. I don't either. Um, so, yeah, I think that one – that series is the most uh, like competitive to me in terms of what could happen, I think. Um, obviously, Dallas has already proved me wrong on the other side. But, um, yeah, I, I think Dallas is definitely the biggest surprise in my book. Yeah. Um, I said – I think I said last week we were talking about the Philly and um, Miami series. 
and I said if, if Joel plays and he's able to come back, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that that would kind of change the series a little bit. I still thought that it was going to be a gentleman's sweep, honestly, just because I figured it would be a little bit too late and Miami was already up 2-0. Um, but Joel came back and everything changed. James Harden stepped up big time in game four um to i think he dropped i think he had a 30 point game i'm not if 31 I'm 31 think, yeah. so so you know it kind of showed vintage james harden uh, a lot of people like twitter and instagram a lot of the big posts were talking about houston james harden uh making an appearance um so definitely major i think having joel on the floor just completely changes everything just because of how big of an impact he is on both sides of the ball um you know Tyrese Maxey's doing what he usually does, just scoring the ball at a high clip. I think he dropped 21 points or 24 points in the second half. Um, I think in game three. Um, so yeah, I, I I think now it's definitely. A, I mean the series is tied two two. I thought the Heat were going to be able to run away with it, um, and the Sixers are are fighting back a lot more than I thought they were going does, to. So does Joel go nuclear now that Jokic has been given the MVP <laughs> out of spite? You might try. Yeah, maybe, yeah. honestly. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway from what's going it goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with the Warriors. Um, I think the, the Warriors struggles here where you've had the nights where you, you're not, you know, shooting really well. When you go, if if you get by Memphis, which you know three one, you look like it's going to get by Memphis. You you can't say for sure, but they get by Memphis. I think no matter who you face in the next round, whether it's the Mavericks or if it's the the Suns, you got to feel good that you can win games when you're not shooting very very well. I mean, you you look at the 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 results. It, they they won last night. Had to come back and win last night. The other game that they were very, very poor shooting. Did they win that game? Or they they didn't, dropped? but it was the 106-101 game where they had the ball down three yeah. with a minute left despite yeah. 18% from three. So I, I think, you know, Cam, you said that when they're bad, they're bad. And you look at this Warriors team. But the the way that Dallas has played the Suns so far, I think that if the Warriors can get past the Grizzlies, and like I said, three, up 3-1, three, you would hope that they would be able to close that out. But – um, you, you can never say for sure, but I, I think that because they're, of their performance here where they've still been able to win or make yeah, games very, very close when they're yeah. just atrocious shooting, you've got a chance to go into these series against Phoenix and against uh, uh, Dallas, whoever you play, and you've got a chance to, uh, to win a series even if you don't play your best basketball. It's going to be very interesting to watch these NBA playoffs continuing on again. Three of the four series tied at two going to game five. Game five, very pivotal in two two series, I'd be interested to know because uh, this is setting up in uh, the both the Dallas series and the Miami series thus far. How many series have gone seven games with the home team winning all seven? Because they're both series are in play for that. Right. You always value home court advantage, mm-hmm. but does it actually play out to where every team wins all the home games and therefore, hey, you have the higher seed, you had one extra home games, and that's why you won the series. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out. Last break of Sports Call on the other side, the nightly TV guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU.
Final segment of the show today. Had a lot of fun here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Austin Scott with you. Talked to Justin Ferguson, played some NBA war, talked about the landscape of college football, the landscape of the NBA playoffs, the landscape of uh, broadcasting in the National Football League. We talked a lot of landscaping today. Uh, you might want to get your flowers ready. Yeah, for say, didn't really talk uh, landscaping in the, the <laughs> right. gardening sense, though, which is unfortunate. Very true and very fair. But uh, the landscapes of a lot of different sporting items today, it felt like uh, we hit pretty hard. Just another minute, minute and a half left in the show today. So we want to give you the landscape of... Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. What does the landscape of the nightly TV eye look like, Brooks? A lot of sports, so I'm not going to give you any movie picks for this evening. It's all oh. sports tonight. Starting off in the Major League Baseball world, MLB action tonight on TBS and Valley Sports Southeast. The Boston Red Sox take on the Atlanta Braves. Braves sending Kyle Wright to the mound tonight versus the Red Sox for the first of two this evening. Uh, you can also listen to that game over on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. The Stanley Cup playoff action continues. We had a series wrap-up last night with the Avalanche sweeping the Predators out of the playoffs. Unfortunately, the National Predators will not continue on this postseason. Teams that are trying to continue on, though, Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes, 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN. Then at 6.30 on ESPN2, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs back north of the border for Game 5 of that one. Then late night tonight, the St. Louis Blues take on the Minnesota Wild at 8.30 on ESPN. Then at 8 o'clock on ESPN2, the Kings and the Oilers. That's a really decent series out west if you want to stay up late. NBA action for you tonight at 6.30 on TNT, Game 5 between the Sixers and the Heat. Then at 8 o'clock, Game 5 between the Mavericks and the Suns. Huge, huge NBA action tonight. And of course... Auburn Baseball in action tonight, 6 o'clock, ESPN+. Plus. Also, our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. Number 20, Auburn Tigers take on the in-state rivals, Troy Trojans. And that is a look at your nightly TV guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. Thank you very much, Brooks. And, yeah, the NHL series, uh, a lot of those two, too, as well yeah. as they head into their Game 5. Very intense Stanley Cup Cam, playoff. Cam, appreciate you being here, sir. Always a pleasure. Brooks, thank you, sir. Yep. And, Austin, it was great to see you in the studio Yeah, today. please let me know when JJ is going again. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, uh, as a matter of fact, but uh, we won't hold you to that. <laughs> for Austin Scott, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry, I'm Ryan LaVoy. Thank you for all those who tuned in and called in. We'll talk to you tomorrow.